This was a wonderful week. How many of you were here this week? Yeah, how many of you were not here and are willing to repent and get right with the Lord? Oh. It was an awful night. It was dark. They crossed, crossed the Kidron Valley. Kidron means black. And certainly the circumstances were dark as 600 temple police came with Judas, directing them to the place that they had often retreated from their time in Israel and in Jerusalem. It was a terrible night. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Peter couldn't stand it any longer. He had already said to the Lord, Though everyone walks away from you, I will not, I will never do that. And yet Yeshua had to tell him, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter followed the crowd and all those officers as they bound our Lord and took him up those ancient steps to Caiaphas' house. He first met with Annas, who was the high priest, sort of. Actually, he was still vice president of the Sanhedrin, although his priesthood ended in 15 AD. It was a terrible night. It was cold. They had a fire burning outside where the soldiers were. And you could easily see, and if you doubt me, go to Israel and go to St. Peter of Gallican II, which is run by the Franciscans now, very authentic, especially the prison and the torture chamber, where, by the way, the apostles were beaten up and tortured. Many people died from that beating. But they went right back into the temple area and kept preaching and teaching as to the fact that our Lord was the Messiah of Israel. Peter, three times, in front of people who seemed to know that he was one of them. I don't know the man. At the end of those three times, the Bible carefully says that our Lord Yeshua looked at him. That's all it took. And Peter realized he had just denied the Lord of his life. And the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. This was our first message, the denial of Peter. It was the time that I believe he was really broken. For the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, and a broken and a contrite heart God will never despise. There was still hope for him, but he was a mess. He told the rest of the guys he's going fishing. And the Lord intervened again at their favorite place. Do you really love me, Peter? You know I love you. You know I'm fond of you. He, he had a hard time with the words that our Lord chose. Though translated both of them into English as love, they were far different in the meaning and impact. You know I'm a friend to you, but do you love me more than these? 
They, he wasn't talking about fish. He was talking about his words. The pride and arrogancy that can creep into a servant of the Lord's heart. I'll never. Oh, but you did, Peter. And it is amazing to see what happened. And so in our second message in the conference on Peter and his life, we showed how his dependency upon himself changed to dependency upon the word of God and the words of Bible prophecy, which we studied from Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12 to 21. What a change happened in his life. And as you all probably know or have heard, he was a flaming evangelist on that day. Mentioned in Acts chapter 2. And over 3,000 put their faith and trust in the Messiah. A few days later, he preached again, and over 5,000 men, not counting women and children, came to the Lord. Flavius Josephus says, by the time Rome destroyed Jerusalem, there were over 100,000 Jewish Messianic believers, largely the result of Peter's own ministry. Right now, I want to go to the end of his life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3, and our subject is the deception of the last days. He who was deceived so deeply in his own life, deceived about his own character, deceived about the temptations that can come to life that we never recover from without the Lord's help. Now he is the preacher of deception in the the last days. It's an amazing story. I'd like to read these 18 verses. The other day uh, I was preaching at a conference and the man who was running the conference said, "Uh, David, it's late and I'm sorry, I, I only have 20 minutes for you. But I know you read a lot of scripture, so... Why don't you just skip that and get into the message? So I got up and I said, the time is late. I'm going to skip my message and read the Bible because that's the only time I know I'm right. (laughs) No, we're not going to skip reading God's word. Verse 1 says, this second epistle. Yes, he did write the first one. Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds By way of remembrance, I'm reading out of the old King James. That it might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lesson saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition 
of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, According to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And there will be no trains interrupting the reading of God's word. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist, as they do also the other scriptures, under their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved seeing you know these things before. Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But go in grace and, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, you know our need. You know it better than any of us have ever understood it. You have told us that a righteous man even will fall seven times in a day. Lord, deliver us from the pride and arrogance that you said will cause us to fall and to follow wrong teaching. Thank you for what happened to Peter. And we look forward to understanding his message here in Second Peter 3. I pray for those that have walked into the meeting and are not really sure of their own relationship to you through your Son, our Messiah, the Lord Yeshua. Lord, I pray that something that is said today may turn their hearts completely around and they would fall, as it were, in his presence and cry out in repentance and turn to him before it's too late. I pray for all those who call themselves your own children. They believe they've been born again. 
But it's so easy, as we see across our nation, even spiritual leaders, so-called, have fallen, have underestimated the attacks of the enemy, the devil himself, and all his demonic hordes. I pray, Lord, that there'd be some changes made in our life as well. Thank you for what you're going to do. In the blessed name of our Lord Yehoshua, we pray. Amen. I'm going to try to capture uh, in just a few points what Peter was trying to tell us. Let's start by the first two verses in which there should be a greater influence from biblical teaching. He makes that very clear. I wrote to you before, I'm writing to you now, you need to remember. You see, it does, one, reveal our need of remembrance. Repetition is a wonderful teacher. Stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Back in Second Peter chapter 1, he said, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, because you know them, and be established in the present truth. In Jude, verse 17 to 19, it says, Beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Look, let's not be kidding ourselves about deception. Deception is the number one thing our Lord said is going to happen. I believe that we are in the midst of that. Perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, said Paul. The fact is the persecution of believers who want to stand for the Lord is going to happen. It's already started. Our kids are going to schools where they are all now saying that there are many different genders and not just male and female. What is the matter with people? What's the matter with the assembly in the state of California at the present time? Because half of them claim to be Christian. But they're going to remove the Bible from all schools, including Christian schools, and from all churches. You cannot use the Bible anymore to tell people what is right or what is wrong. Well, I'm hoping and praying, I hope you'll join us out in California, that we will indeed overthrow this in our government. This nation was built on the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. It is evident in all the statements that have been made throughout our history by our leaders. There's something terrible going on. Satan is trying to thwart every single purpose of God he can. And any man who wants to teach and preach the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, is a target today. And I understand why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles, the methods of the enemy. We're in that day, folks, and we're seeing terrible things. I'm going to tell you a little bit more of this uh, just now. The second thing I want to tell you is that this reveals this concern about why we're not stronger in the Bible. It reveals 
and relies upon our review of what the prophets and apostles taught about those men who wrote the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. In Ephesians 2, it says, flat out, we're built on the habitation of God and that it's a foundation that was built by the apostles and prophets, our Lord Yeshua, Jesus himself, being the chief cornerstone. In Ephesians 3, 3 to 6, he said that by revelation it was made known unto me the mystery. What mystery? That Gentiles should be one with Jews in the body of Messiah. We know that things are going to get tough in the end time before the Lord returns. So what really thrills my heart and I know this sounds crazy, but the deception is here that God predicted, which means the Lord is coming soon. Oh, if that wasn't enough, then consider what's happening to Israel right now. Over 600 resolutions against that little nation. That's more than all other nations put together in the United Nothing. Uh, Excuse me, United Nations. (laughs) Just two weeks ago, Edrogen of Turkey met with the leaders of the armies of 67 Muslim countries. Most Christians think there's only 22. There's more than that. And he challenged them to build the biggest army the world has ever seen. And he said what he wanted them to do. To destroy Israel once and for all and wipe them off the face of the earth. It only took a few days after that for Vladimir Putin of Russia, Rouhani of Iran, and Edrogen of Turkey to form what they called a lasting alliance. And I was really surprised at what they said. One, this will be to destroy the influence of President Trump and the United States of America And number two, to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Right away, we got different phone calls than we had been getting at Hope for Today, our radio broadcast. Why? Because people immediately were concerned about Ezekiel 38 and 39 again. Is this happening? Well, if it is happening, folks, if these are the beginnings, then lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. The Lord's going to be here any time now. I know that he could come before I finish, but I have already prayed, Lord, please let me finish this. I'm really not that necessary. Now, number two, I'm not going to make this complex. Number two, there will be a definite increase in those who doubt that Yeshua will return. Amazing. He said, they're going to come and say, well, where's the promise of his coming? I thought a little bit about bringing all the news clippings and things from various denominations and preachers. I've got a stack of them. I thought about just going through and reading it, and then I thought, that's silly. Why substitute for the word of God? But I want you to know that the issue that Peter brought up that said was going to happen before the Lord returns has already happened. 
We have the leader of the largest church in California saying to all pastors, do not preach on prophecy, it's too divisive. Things continue as they were. Excuse me, that's in our passage. That's what they're going to say. Well, they're saying it now. I only live a couple of miles from this guy. What is the matter with us? And all over the nation, this is happening. Now, this increase in doubting the second coming is not only happening, but the Bible tells you why. Look at this, number one. This increase will be caused by sensual pleasures that become their priority and lifestyle. They'll be walking after their own lust. Jude 18 says, they told you there should be mockers in the last time. They will walk after their own ungodly lusts. Now, lust in the Bible is sexual, but lust is also being greedy of money. And now on the website, if you want to go find it, I'm not going to detail it for you, but there is a site that tells you 50 of the pastor's and preachers in America who are making exorbitant salaries beyond belief that their people don't even know. And there they were with full-page pictures of them and the total amount of money that they received last year in 2017. It was shocking. I knew some of it was bad but I had no idea that there were over 50 of them currently in the pulpits or preaching on television or speaking on radio who are making money like you cannot believe. There's something seriously wrong that's going on. Three of those were, by the way, from Nigeria. And there's no doubt in my mind that over 10 of them, all of you have seen and heard. There's something wrong here, people, and the Bible definitely tells us about it. In Matthew 7, our Lord warned, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name? In thy name we have cast out demons. In your name we've done many wonderful works. He says, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I think those words are pretty scary in the light of what's going on, don't you? Be very careful. If we ever need a discernment, it's today. We need discernment. As one very popular man on television who was on that list and they said he made over $50 million last year. He was very angry when he was confronted by some of his people. He said, you have no right to challenge me. Well, right away we know he's wrong. But that isn't all. Look at number two. This increase that is doubting the return of the Lord is also controlled by secular philosophies that deliberately ignore the evidence 
for a past global disaster. It has been my privilege, if you call it that, in the past, to confront the establishment, including religious establishment, concerning the change in no longer believing creation and the flood. I've debated on California University campuses. I've debated in the classrooms. I'm very well aware of what's happening. But now it's in the pulpit. They'd rather be like the emerging church believes rather than tell people the truth. You see, what happened back there at that flood is also a point that we are all to learn from, says our Lord, that it's going to be the same thing, only it won't be flood this time. It's going to be a fire. More about that in just a minute. And I looked at this, and I thought, is this really true? Well, let me give you just three things that maybe will help you to understand. Number one, their assumption that such a global catastrophe has never occurred. It says, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. That simply is not true. And the fact is, they're saying the same thing over again now. The pastors of the largest churches in America are saying it. They believe that the guys preaching Bible prophecy, and I confess, I are one. They believe that they are the ones that are nuts. That it's not going to happen. hasn't happened yet, and it's not going to happen. And we need to get our lifestyle together. They love that word, lifestyle. Too bad they don't have the one that's in the Bible. Number two, their attitude toward the biblical record. Now look at these words carefully. Peter said they willingly are ignorant of it. In other words, they do know what the Bible says, but they're acting like it doesn't happen. It's fictitious. I debated one of their leaders several years ago, a crowd of a thousand people. He believes in a pre-Adamic race and doesn't believe the flood ever occurred. And as we were debating about it, I realized in my heart that this guy needs the Lord. And he said, on the basis of the speed of light, we know. I, I thanked him for that because that's what I wanted to talk about. The speed of life, about 186,000 miles a second, uh, give or take a little bit. And he said on the basis of that, that the world is 20 to 24 billion years old. And it has nothing to do with creation or a flood. I said it has everything to do with the creation and a flood. The problem is, you know what the Bible says, but you in front of all these people are acting like you don't believe that and you don't know. Hey, it doesn't matter what you say. God already told me that you are the problem. <laughs> Where did he tell you that? I said, in the Bible, several times. <laughs> but how about this one? Number three, their apathy about a future global disaster. He said, but the heavens... And the earth which are now, 
by the same word are kept in store, reserved this time unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Listen, friends. We're in trouble. The Church of Christianity in North America is in deep trouble over many issues. Let me show you what I mean. In verse 8 and 9, Peter said this, There will be a growing ignorance among Christians concerning Bible prophecy. Well, we see that through our radio broadcast all the time. One of the common calls we get is, I'd like to talk to Mr. Christ. Mr. Christ? Yeah, it says Jesus Christ. They thought that Christ was his last name. And the ignorance of Bible prophecy continues. It's unbelievable. Because we got preachers all over the country. In fact, the one guy who keeps saying that at the largest church in California, he keeps saying they have 75,000 churches who have signed a commitment card that they will never teach Bible prophecy. Well, I don't know what they're talking about. If you believe the Bible, you've got to t- preach Bible prophecy. Most of the Bible is Bible prophecy. But there's going to be a growing ignorance. Beloved, don't be ignorant, he said. One day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. So it's only been a couple of days. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, meaning he's not delaying for no reason at all. He's long-suffering to us-word. He didn't say he's long-suffering to the world of non-believers. That statement is directed towards those who will be believers. He is long-suffering to us-word. Peter and the ones he's writing to are the beloved brethren. They are believers. And what did he say? He said he is long-suffering to us-word, not willing that any, that isn't any beyond what he just said, It's any of the us, any of us would ever perish, but that all, meaning all of us, will come to repentance. Listen, everybody that God wants saved is going to get saved. Period. Including Israel. God has not forsaken his people. Paul said, God forbid that you even think that. But that ignorance is very interesting. The following things are a part of the ignorance. Number one, ignorance about the timing of the Lord in terms of Bible prophecy. Well, it's been a long time since he said what he said, almost, well, more than 2,000 years. What about that? But God's answer is... uh, Don't sweat it, my translation. Don't sweat it. Um, I'm going to save people that I want to save. Amen? And what do we have in our world now? Oh, it's up to you. You know, I just don't feel that God is saying that at all. I, I feel he really wants people to get saved. He just can't perform it. What? Almighty God can... Can't perform the salvation of an individual? Are you kidding me? The truth of the matter is everybody that God ever wanted to be saved is going to be saved. Why? 
because they were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. You say, are you a Calvinist? I'm trying not to be. I'm tired of the fights that mean nothing. Are you listening carefully? Yeah, there's a lot of ignorance about the timing. I believe the Lord could come for those who are believers. He could come right now. Um, You people can wake up now. Number two. Look at this. There will be ignorance about the truth of his promises. He says the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He's not delaying for no reason at all. Well, what is he talking about? Let's look at it. Number one. He and Paul both emphasized it. God's plan for Israel. In Romans chapter 11. I would, brethren, you don't be, here it is again, ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. What is the fullness of the Gentiles? Is that talking about the tribulation period? No, it is not. According to Revelation 11, verse 11 and 12, is talking about the salvation of the Gentiles. When all of those are saved, God's plan for Israel is never going to be canceled. That's what he promised us. And his promises are true. But in the time preceding the Lord's return, we're going to see people questioning it. And there's going to be ignorance about the timing. And especially about God's plan for Israel. If you really want to know what I think about it, on the table when you leave is our brand new book called Israel Celebrating 70 Years. The people who've gotten it and read it are quite surprised. Because I list all the issues that are troubling to people today about Israel. And all I do to answer it is with the word of God. Nothing for me. So you're reading through all what the Bible says about Israel. One man came to me uh, after getting the book and reading the entire thing. He said, that book changed my life. I now am very pro-Israel. I used to hate the Jews. Well, the world's going to hate them. The Lord taught us that. But God's plan for Israel, they're ignorant about the truth of his promises like you cannot believe. So let me give you some more personal stuff. We have a ministry in Canada. We're under the Revenue Canada Board for all of Canada. And we've been there for several years. Every year we have a Bible prophecy conference. Our headquarters is in the most conservative of Canadian cities, Abbotsford, British Columbia, which is near the border of Alberta, about an hour and a half away from Vancouver. A year ago, they had a meeting of those who control the Human Rights Commission of the United Nations to stop a man named David Hawking and Hope for Today broadcast because he's so pro-Israel. And they are not pro-Israel, they are pro-Palestinian and they hate Israel. They even asked me to talk to them. Forty of their leaders came 
to talk to me after I preached at a conference. I thought it'd be five or ten minutes. It was three hours. And many of them said, we had no idea what you're telling us. I said, that's because you don't read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you, you can't miss. Israel is the second most important subject in the Bible next to the Lord himself. It's mentioned 2,566 times, and we're going to go every reference today. <laughs> well, we can't do that, but you can get the book, Celebrating 70 Years, and you will be stunned. You'll read about why the arguments over the capital of Israel being Jerusalem. You'll read about what Zionism is or is not. You'll read what God says in his word, and it's life-changing. It's not only God's plan for Israel, but this is interesting. It's God's promise, number two, to resurrect dead believers <laughs> and rapture living ones. Amen? First Thessalonians 4. All of these are based on the statement, I don't want you to be ignorant. Here it is again. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or who died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, some say it precede, study on the Greek word, now says the King James was correct. It'll not stop. It'll not prevent those that are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. You're probably listening to me and say, hey, you've got that memorized. I couldn't help but memorize it. My dad, when he got saved, I'm telling you, God saved everything about him. He made giant old English manuscript with old English lettering and scenes from the Holy Land, which we had all over our house. And this particular passage was right in the hallway before you open the door and invite somebody to come in. As a little boy, I, I couldn't wait to see the faces of people when they saw that. Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And I've seen many of the guys especially turn to their wives and say, we got to get out of here. This guy's crazy. I don't want you to be ignorant, Paul said. We who are alive and remain will be caught up. The word is harpazo. In the Latin Bible is rapturo. Said into English is where we get the word rapture. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Actually, there's no verbal in infinitive in that text. It isn't to meet. It says unto the meeting of the Lord. I love that. Our Lord has planned a great reunion. Amen? Amen? Many loved ones have died. I never did see my grandparents. And my father died in 1969. It's been a long time. My wife died also after 54 years of marriage. I have remarried. And I've asked the Lord, just a little bit of time, please. But you know what? When that rapture occurs, <laughs> we're out of here. I kind of hope it happens on Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be interesting? 
to see who was left. Well, there's going to be ignorance about the teaching on the delay of the return. Why is he delayed? And he says, but as he's long-suffering to us word, those of us who are believers. He's not willing that any, meaning any of us, will perish, but that all, meaning all of us, will come to repentance. Pastor Chuck wasn't sure that that was the right view, so we talked about it. And I told him what I believed, and I laid it out in Greek for him. And he said, well, I'll tell you, David, I think you're right. He said, but the way I'm going, I'm a little older than you are, not much, but I'm a little older. And I think I'm going to beat you to heaven. And I'll ask the Lord to change your brain if it needs to be. (laughs) I love that man. So we have the following. One, God's patience, amen, towards those who will repent. Isn't that a wonderful thing? God's patience toward those who will repent. Number two, God's protection of those who will repent. He's not willing that any of us should perish. All will come to him that he intends to save. And number three is God's purpose in the delay. That all of those people that he intends to be saved will come to repentance. Next, there will be a worldwide impact from the coming of the day of the Lord. Uh, out on the table, there's about 10 or so copies left of the book on the day of the Lord. Uh, I needed to do that because I saw such confusion in the body of Christ. It's mentioned 25 times. It never is a happy time. Every passage deals with the sorrow and the terrible things that are going to happen. It's referring to the tribulation period and primarily the last half. The day of the Lord. It will come as a thief in the night. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works of it will be burned up. So we have the following. Oh, by the way, a lady bought that book and she brought it back to me yesterday and said, tell people not to read this before you go to bed. (laughs) He said, this is one scary book. Okay, first. The coming will be a surprise. That's what God said. We're going to move into the tribulation period. And so many believers think because of the exit of perhaps, we hope, millions of people taken up by the Lord, that that they'll have to figure that out. Wait a minute. They're already good at deception. Maybe the aliens came and got them. Or maybe they ate the wrong food or took too many medications and they're gone. Wow. The day of the Lord's coming as a thief in the night. The Lord himself in Revelation taught that over and over again. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 that when people say peace and safety, scared me when President Trump started talking that way. I think Mike Pence got a hold of him and told him it wasn't for us now. What is coming is sudden destruction. Wow. 
When they say peace and safety, uh uh-uh. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Matthew 24 says many times for us to be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I was in a conference recently. I said, how many of you folks believe the Lord is going to come at the end of this message today? Nobody raised their hand. I said, oh my, looks like he is going to come. Because at an hour that you think not, he's going to come. Revelation 3. He's coming as a thief. And you won't know what hour I will come upon thee. It's all the way through. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. The coming will be a surprise to planet Earth. Secondly, the catastrophe will be supernatural. In fact, many scientists have pointed out that thermonuclear terms that were used in ancient Greek world of the first century are what are being used today to describe nuclear warfare. It's what happens when a nuclear bomb or missile hits a given area. Well, I just want everybody to know that God's more powerful than all the nuclear weapons of the world. And the Bible says of the heavens, number one, they are going to pass away with a great noise. What that will be, I have no idea. Secondly, the elements. This is dealing with the molecular structure of things, like this desk. All of that will melt with fervent heat. And the earth itself, number three, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Isaiah 13 says, when the day of the Lord comes, it is cruel with wrath and fierce anger. It will destroy the sinners out of it. The stars of heaven and constellations will not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not cause their light to shine. And another passage says the moon will be turned into blood. We had some false prophets and false teachers, I'm sorry to say, who told the whole world that there were four blood-red moons that would describe the future events. The interesting thing is that the last one, the fourth one, was to be on September 24th, 2016. When it didn't happen, I wrote a couple of them. And I said, you misunderstood the great thing that happened on September 24th. It wasn't the rapture. It wasn't the moon turning to blood. I got married. Look, friends, this is a dangerous, dangerous subject. That's why I write the, wrote that book on the day of the Lord. It is so dangerous to treat it lightly, or as even some pastors says it refers to the second coming of our Lord. No, it doesn't. It refers to the judgments of the tribulation period that are going to happen on planet Earth. It's also called the day of the Lord's wrath, the day of his fierce jealousy. Wow. I want to jump to one final thing. 
After Peter scared the daylights out of us all, he then gave this instruction to all believers. Will you look at this again, beginning at verse 11? Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, see that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable will twist, as they do the other scriptures under their own destruction. Now listen to the final words. You therefore, beloved, he's talking to believers, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The instruction here involves the events, number one, that are coming to planet Earth. And here's what he said. One, our conduct in the light of the coming day of God. Wow. Exactly how do we walk with the Lord? What are we really like when nobody knows and we think nobody sees? Number two, our confidence that there will be new heavens and a new earth. Amen? No more traffic. Hallelujah. Beverly Hills will be destroyed. Praise God! And our commitment, wow, to the Lord himself, Peter said, he should know because of what happened in his life. Not only the events, but he mentions the heirs of the wicked. And it's something that the righteous believers have to be aware of. That apparently we're going to have teachers uh, constantly changing the views that we have long held and urging us to believe something far different. Watch out about the heirs of the wicked. Are you listening to false teachers? I watch several of the Christian programs on television here in my hotel room. I could not believe how many you have. We don't have that many in California. They've already gotten rid of a lot of them. But what you have is you've got some false teachers here. On the television. Be very, very careful. And the third thing is most important as to the experience of spiritual growth. Somewhere along the line as we get older as believers, we become a little lax in our commitment to the Lord. Instead of being the exact opposite, 
We need to be strong. Before I married my uh, second wife, after the death of my first wife, I asked her whether or not we'd be reading the Bible and praying every night. And that's what we do and still have. I don't know how you, you make it without the Word of God. We need God's Word constantly. We need to be growing in the grace that gives to us what we don't deserve and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, which is only in the Bible. Not in the words of somebody telling us what he thinks about it, but no, what the Bible actually says about him. If you want to know really about the Messiah, I have a little booklet on the table back there. There's just a few of them left called Who is the Messiah? And many people who are believers who have read it did not realize how big that subject is. A focus in our churches, our ministries, and our personal lives needs to be on the identity of the Messiah who's called the Lord of hosts and the one we're supposed to be interested in in the end time. The Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth. It is talking about armies. The father doesn't have the armies. He gave it to his son. And the fact is, if you read the 245 usages of the words Lords of Ho- Lord of Hosts in the Bible, you will all, all of a sudden see the glory and the majesty and the greatness of our blessed Lord. That is the greatest need in the church of Jesus Christ today. We need to be coming to church to hear about Him, not us. People say the dumbest things when I meet them and shake their hands. And Well, you know, Pastor, this has been a rough week. I said, it has. I've had a headache all week. And you know what I want to say, I don't say. You're giving me one right now. <laughs> but the fact is, we're wrapped up with ourselves. I had a man who's an elder, wonderful guy. He calls me on the phone. He's crying. I've never heard him cry. I said, what are you crying about? He could hardly stop. When he finally got a, he said, I was just at my doctor, and he said that I have cancer, and it's terminal. So? He said, David, is there any other pastor there I could talk to right now? He's not telling you anything you don't know. We all have a terminal illness. It's just a question of time. And the Lord's going to take us home and we should be crying over you? Are you kidding? In His presence there's fullness of joy. In His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Please, wake up and grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, His Hebrew name, or Jesus Christ our Lord. Please. Will you join me please in prayer. Father we thank you for your word. Thank you for having Peter write this. What a marvelous transformation happened in that man's life. 
May it be so with every one of us. Lord, I don't know the hearts of people here, but you do. You know how many have stuff happening in their life now that is just hard to understand, hard to endure. And yet you tell us all the afflictions are there, that we will know the power of the Messiah in the midst of it. Soon and very soon, we're going home. Because home is heaven. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, please don't look around. Maintain privacy for everyone. If you know that in your heart something is not right, and the Lord has spoken to you about getting right with the Lord, let me pray for you. Just raise your hand. I won't call on your name. Right where you are. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, way in the back. Father, you know the hearts of people. You tell us man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You know what they're going through. You know what they need. And I pray, Lord, this might be a wonderful day, a life-changing day. As they begin that journey of grace and knowledge of our Lord. Father, I pray that you will use this message to bring us alive in the body of Christ. You told us the fear of man is a snare and a trap. Help us, Lord, to fear you and only you. And we thank you in the blessed name of our Lord Yeshua, we pray. Amen. God bless you.